Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of our Ketosis Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Burr, Content Marketing Editor here at Ketosis. Today, we're talking with Mark Polson, who is the founder and principal of The Landcat. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Really good. Looking forward to this. Awesome. We're really looking forward to having you on the show, so it's great to finally talk to you. Cheers. Uh, to start off then, would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself, your role at the Landcat, and what exactly it means to be a Landcat? Sure. So um, uh, about kind of us, just for a second, because your listeners may well be thinking, what on God's green earth is a Landcat and why do I care? Um, we're a, a business that works in retail investments mainly, mm-hmm. um, and we try to help really anybody that works uh, around retail investments be a bit less crap. Um, it's an industry that has the potential to do so much good for so many people, and sometimes it manages, usually by accident. Um, but there's an awful lot of stuff that gets in the way. So I've got a long, long background in investment platforms. I've worked with a lot of life companies and providers, um, always around the, the kind of retail type stuff. Um, and um, about nine years ago, um, I stopped doing um, that with big companies and I started doing it with my own company called The Lancat. Um, so our business is uh, very small. There's just under 20 people work here. Um, about half of us are involved in research and insight and consulting with um, providers. Those might be technology providers or fund managers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the other half is a marketing and PR business, which works in the same sector. So we do a lot of FinTech stuff, but all around the investment side of things, some robo advice, all sorts of bits and bobs. Um, and we try to sort of, you know, if we can leave this industry slightly better than we found it, then we're, we're pretty happy with mm-hmm. only so much you can do. Um, but, you know, being at the Landcat sort of means that you, you, you're happy to bite the hand that feeds you. You know, we, we want to challenge the sector. And to do that, you need to really, really get back to what it is that customers want, what they need. Um, because it's so easy, man, I've done it. It's so easy when you work in these big companies just to lose track. Yeah. You don't mean to. Nobody's set out wanting to build a crappy product or whatever else. Um, well, maybe, I don't know, but, um, you know, usually not. Um, but somewhere between the intention and the reality, uh, things can go a bit funny. So we try, we try to help with that stuff. Awesome. I mean, yeah, it really speaks for itself that you do so much as a company and you also host your own events and conferences as well but that's something we'll we'll come back to that in a little bit um and in regard to you know the many different hats that you wear how do you divide your focus between these different roles um and dividing your time between so many different types of companies um i i, I just get bored easily you know so i i, I kind of flick between things and then um, the, the insanely uh, cool and talented people that work here have to try and pick up the pieces. Um, but the, it, it helps to think that there's, there's kind of building stuff and then there's talking about stuff. Yeah. Um, and we kind of get involved in both of those. So although there's lots of hats and we've got a PR business and a marketing stuff where we're helping people write their websites or do whatever, and then there's events, it all kind of comes back to the same things. And because we're not one of these firms that does dog food this week and then, you know, 
Uzbekistani weapon funds next week, um, then it's actually, it's, it's not that hard. But listen, there's, you know, there, there is a challenge in, in wearing lots of hats as a business owner. Um, and any you know business owners or, or entrepreneurs that are listening will, will know all about that. But mm-hmm. that's why we love it, you know. Um, yeah. That's why we love it because the um, if anything happens, good or bad, it's your mm-hmm. fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's your fault. Um, <laughs> and, and I quite like that. Awesome. And on that point as well, we say you know you just like talking about stuff. We're really big fans of all the regular content that you do. And each, oh, your team, yeah, each of your team members all kind of bring something to the table with your regular articles and you host the, you know, humorous weekly Wednesday blog post. And I love your music recommendations. That's, oh, thank you. That's just me. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. There's uh, more, me- listen, there's more metalheads working in finance than you think. You know, if we're the only two, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But um, <laughs> it's, it's a great community. Both of them are. So why not mix them? Exactly. <laughs> It's quality. Um, in that regards, then, uh, why do you think blogging as a content source works so well? And what advice would you have for financial firms to disconnect with clients of their own through content marketing? So I, I think blogging in our world, which is a business-to-business world, mm. um, is really great because it, um, it traps people. It doesn't trap them, but it attracts people who are sat at the desks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always the case. And this again comes back to understanding things like big companies. It's not always possible for people to strap on a pair of headphones and listen to a podcast or to watch a video. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, in very large companies, um, multimedia content or rich media content is shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, so there can be all kinds of challenges inside that. But if you can set out your thoughts um, in four or five hundred words or, or something like that. And then people can give you four minutes of their time, read something, get a thing from it, just a thing. And you maybe make it easy for them along the way in how you write it. Um, And if there's a joke or there's a, you know, just a a way to ease them through that five minutes of their lunch break, then that's job done for me. And we've always found that if a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of what we write about, you know, and you, you'll know from, from what Kurtosis does as well, is nosebleed technical stuff, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not easy. I, I mean, if you're in the industry, it's cool. But if you're outside the industry, you're like, what language are these people talking? And yeah. how am I meant to relate to this? Now, on that basis, if you can you know, drop something in to make somebody smile, or if you can just kind of leaven the bread a little bit um, with something that just that gives something back, you know, mm-hmm. um, then you, people will come back and read it um, again and again. And the, the Wednesday email that we send um, is, you know, designed to make a, an observation which we are you know, we hold true to about something important that's happening that week and there's never a shortage of things to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's your, your hump day thing, right? It goes out at 12 o'clock every Wednesday um, and it's there for a lunch hour and we'll give you a little music recommendation and a little kind of smile and a couple of useful links for other things to look at. Mm-hmm. And that's it. We, you know, we've done our bit. We wanted to 
you know, help people remember us. We wanted to be in your mind. That's the business purpose for us. What you got was an, maybe an interesting perspective on something and a couple of, you know, maybe a wee, a wee um, half smile at some bit of whimsy that I've put in. Um, and um, uh, you can shake your head at the fact I'm trying to get you to watch black metal videos uh, <laughs> as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it, so for content marketing, I, I do see... Um, things is quite different now if you go back like three or four years man there, there were these big content marketing strategies and everyone was nodding sagely uh about things you know that were kind of overcooked and um I, I don't think we should mix up as a business our desire to tell people things with their desire to hear them mm -hmm. i think you start with the appetite and then you work back yeah. um and um, if you can do that then it's, it doesn't, the strategy does itself for you. I know our audience will read before it will listen or watch. Yeah. Other audiences are totally different. Uh, I would much rather consume my video uh, or whatever else. Awesome. It basically doesn't matter as long as it's tailored to, to the crowd that you want to talk to. Yeah, that's great stuff. Yeah, the personalization thing, you know, that's what it's all about. Just really targeting what you know your audience love. Yeah. Exactly. And they'll, t they'll soon tell you if you don't get it right, you know? Yeah. Um, and drilling into another important part of your marketing, you provide annual and quarterly reports um, through your advised platform guide and the platform market scorecard. Um, yeah, yeah. So what do you believe are the biggest pros and cons of trend reports for financial firms and other forms of content, such as videos or podcasts, like you say? So every, everybody likes a trend report because we all want new things to talk about every month or every quarter and um, so we say oh somebody's market share has gone up by this or that or whatever mm -hmm. um, and um, that's fine the danger of them is that you get into spurious nonsense about making things sound more serious than they are um, mm -hmm. good example um, one of the platforms the investment platforms that we track um, had a shocker of a quarter um, about a year year and a bit ago um, I'm, it was generally doing very well. Suddenly, oh my God, it was blood on the streets. Oh my word, what's happened? And uh, many articles were written about, you know, the shine coming off this provider web. Well, actually what happened was one massive mandate that it had mm. switched and it was due to switch. They knew it was going to switch. And it's just, that's what happens with big institutional mandates, right? 500 yeah. million pounds or a billion pounds or whatever can go straight out the door. Um, and, um, you know, odds on they weren't making very much money off it anyway and all that kind of stuff. And it was a total storm in a teacup. Now, your trend report will, will suddenly, a, you know, you can imagine what the trend lines do on the graphs and stuff. And there's a bright red cell in a table. Um, and because you're looking for a story, because it's a, a regular publication, you amp it up. But actually, it's, you know, it's, it's nothing but I'm trying hard not to swear. It's quite hard for me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, your, your listeners might be quite delicate source. Um, but, it, but it's, ooh, you know, it's, it, it doesn't mean anything. Um, so you've got, to, you've got to treat them carefully. On the plus side, um, if you are a purchaser of the services of, uh, of these companies in the way that the ones that we track, um, so independent financial advisors in the main deciding where they're going to place their clients, it's very important not to look at just a point in time because um, you'll get these funny pictures to so the trend stuff's much better. Again, for us, 
Um, it's analysis. Um, the numbers and the, the graphs and stuff are really important. Um, and then because we are, our sort of thing is we, we, we actually analyze and we actually have an opinion. Yeah. Um, so you shouldn't ever see something from us that says, this graph has gone very slightly downwards and to the right, whereas this one has gone upwards. That's not very interesting. Um, we want to know why and we will conjecture as to why. I think, again, that's why you want written stuff so people can look at it, think, right, Mark and the guys are saying this. Are they accurate? Do we think that's the, the real reason or are they on drugs? And um, it, I don't mind which they decide. The point is we act as a stimulus for the thought process. That's all. Awesome. Um, and sticking with the trend, the trend part of the industry, we're doing a lot of work with our asset management customers around assessing their digital maturity. Um, and is this something that you've encountered recently when working with investment managers at the Landcap? Yeah, I mean, it's, it varies so hugely. And that's the thing, the asset management community is, is so broad in its scope. And there are some, I'm sure you've found, who um, have got you know, some resources and some, some real strategic intent um, mm-hmm. to, to get that side of their business um, uh, absolutely uh, top because it is the, the digital maturity, not just for the, the stuff they're sending out themselves at the moment, but things like data integrations into other tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so for advisors, for example, they will be using more and more aggregation software and they'll be wanting feeds out of investment managers into those pieces of software that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's all going to link into um, to the overall digital strategy of those businesses. Fund managers are a funny bunch. Most of them outsourced caring about customers hmm. to advisor firms about 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so you'll sometimes hear them saying, well, we don't run people, we run money. Hmm. So we're not really going to think about this stuff too much. And I think that's, there's a place for guys like that, but people who are going to have a strong retail presence, particularly, I think need to evidence that they're human. Um, and it's important um, to say as well that, that, as of this autumn, um, they're going to have to start showing it somehow how they have been worth their crust mm. with value statements and that kind of stuff as part of Mifid 2. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's a, that's a really hard thing to do, and, yeah. but the best way to, whatever your content's going to be, you're going to need to push it out in ways that people can, uh, can consume. And I'm guessing that 40 page written reports is not the ideal way of doing it. So um, I think we ask more now of investment managers than we have for a very long time. Um, and the digital maturity, which is a great way to put it, I think, for you guys, um, is a huge part of that. Okay. Yeah, great. And it's interesting you actually mentioned Mifid 2 there. Um, and the Lancat, you know, you deal with some really in depth research about regulation. So we'd just like to ask you a question about it. Um, sure. 78% of respondents from our digital marketing survey um, thought that financial regulation would make marketing harder. So what are your thoughts on regulation? And have you found anything specific like with Mifid 2 or GDPR that have hampered or slowed down the companies that you work with? I mean, you, you named such a good one there. GDPR is, is a huge thing. Um, and uh, there's a lot of lists hanging around you know, skulking around shady corners, smoking a cigarette, um, that nobody quite knows how the names got on that list and mm. what they really signed up for. Um, and um, potentially a positive for GDPR, actually, is it's made companies 
who take the regulation seriously, at least, um, do the right thing and think, what are we using this for and why are we using it? So on one, in one sense, that makes marketing harder, but it all depends what you mean by market. Mm. Um, and if, as a marketeer in these businesses, your version of having done a great job and you know, a big tick and a wee bonus at the end of the year, whatever, or keeping your job, I guess, is eyeballs or impressions or whatever else, um, then it does make life a lot harder. Um, mm-hmm. You can't make sensationalist claims in the way that you used to. Uh, I mean, you've, you've kind of been constrained on that stuff for quite a long time. Um, you've got to think very carefully about suitability, about who you're targeting and why and so on. And then obviously GDPR um, constrains who you can talk to because you need permission to speak to them. Now, in, in a business-to-business perspective for us, I don't think any of those things are a problem. Yeah. Um, because I think honesty about what a product does with drawbacks and advantages and who it's suitable for and who it's not suitable for um, is great. I think transparency is, is long overdue, frankly, in this sector. Mm-hmm. And the more of it we have, the better. And I don't care about, I mean, people say somebody, I can have too much transparency. And we say, bollocks. That's not true because uh, people can choose to ignore things if they don't care about them. But if they don't know that they exist, they can't make that decision for themselves. And what that actually means is you don't want to tell the truth. So shut up and go away and let somebody else do it because it's time for them now and you need to go away and play golf or do whatever it is you're going to do. Um, so the, the, the idea that the marketing that this sector would do is constrained by these regulations, I think is kind of bogus, right? I, I think good marketing, which genuinely looks to target products at people who will benefit from them and looks to not target them at people who won't, um, is enabled by this stuff. It's just we've got to think about it and maybe the old strategies don't work. There's no way that doing a site takeover on the trade press for your brand new, you know, Colombian Pharmaceutical Opportunities Fund, there's, there's no way that that's getting money into that fund. So you're going to have, so what else you got? Um, and I think when we think that way, then we maybe move on, you know, and then maybe our marketing starts to work and then maybe we get measured rather than impressions or whatever, we actually get measured on flow because we can influence it if we do this right. Uh, and that's got to be better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some really excellent points in there. It's definitely really, really kind of a tricky situation. Yeah, <laughs> marketing, yeah. Actual marketing and regulation is just a minefield. <laughs> um, but do you know what? I, I mean, I've grown up with it, you know, um, mm. and so I've, I've lived inside the conduct of business source book and all the, all the rest of it for a very long time. And if any marketeers or, you know, people who are thinking of, of getting into this stuff or are struggling with it are listening to this, my biggest tip for them is to go and read the regulation. Yeah. Right. Particularly if you are struggling with your compliance departments, go and read the regulation. I have won so many arguments with compliance teams because I know the regs better than they do. (laughs) And I make it my business to know the regs better than they do. Um, And actually, oftentimes what you find, but again, you know, a lot of this will be true of larger fund managers perhaps, is that it's not the regulations that are the problem. It's the risk appetite of the business you're working for. Mm You can stay within the regs and do an awful lot of things. I mean, you can't say our fund will definitely return 25% year in, year out. 
um, although some people have tried doing that and that hopefully hopefully we'll be in prison quite soon um, <laughs> but um, the uh, most of the time you know you, you you're free to to market your wares in, in a decent way but oftentimes the company you work for will be like oh we're not saying that because you know I've got to go and have dinner with that guy from that company in a couple of weeks or I might want a job with them eventually and I don't want to be seen to be taking lumps out of them or whatever yeah. else. So I like firms that have aggression. Um, I like to see aggressive marketing that's really proud of its product um, and is happy to say we are better because of this. Um, but getting firms even to do that is difficult. But I'll come back to it one more time and I know I'm going on, sorry, but this, this is an important one. That's most of the time not due to regulation. That's due mm-hmm. to the, due to um, kind of corporate appetite and, and uh, being dull. <laughs> That's a very emphatic answer. We like that. Great stuff. <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only ones I've got. Sorry. <laughs> um, and just returning to what we talked about at the beginning, um, in true Landcat fashion, really, you like to shake up industry events as well. Um, and you've got an upcoming event in November called Dead X. Yeah. Uh, would you be able to tell us a little bit about that event and why do you think that events still play as big a role as they always have uh, in the financial services industry? So, um, yeah, the TEDx talks, this is our sixth year doing them. Um, I guess everybody knows TED Talks and TEDx Talks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do TEDx um, and um, we do it in a crypt um, in, in London, um, the crypt on the green in Clerkenwell, which is a lovely venue. Mm-hmm. And we do it out with skulls and all kinds of stuff, mainly cause I'm a death metal fan. Um, and I thought it was funny, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, if you own a business, I guess you can, you can do this stuff. Um, but people seem to quite like it. And the, the idea, the idea of our stuff is that first of all, it's not going to take all day or two days. You come for three hours. We pour content into you give you a beer and send you away. Um, and, um, we, you know, it's very, we, we do charge for them, but it's a pretty small amount. A lot of these conferences now are 800 quid or whatever. Um, and we are, you know, a couple hundred quid or something. Um, so just because it's so expensive in London to do this. Yep. Anyway, um, the, the idea is that most conferences skate across the top of lots of different topics in order to, appeal to as many potential attendees as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't use huge rooms and because we just do a few hours, we say we don't care about that. We're going to go absolutely up to the waist in one particular topic. Mm-hmm. And we pick, we pick a theme each year. Our theme this year is value in asset management, yeah. not value as opposed to growth or investment style, but that concept of what are you doing to earn your money and mm-hmm. how do you talk about it? Um, and so we, we're going to hear from fund managers who have a view on it. We're going to hear from advisors who think it's all a load of rubbish. We're going to hear from someone from another industry that's um, got similar kind of um, uh, structures. And that's a, a guy called Justin Bassini uh, mm-hmm. from ClearScore. Uh, awesome fintech, I think, um, yeah. who do credit, credit score reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that you don't come to this unless you're ready to get deep into the subject. Um, because we're not going to talk about fish or like biscuits or why a particular provider is great. Everybody's banned. Nobody pays to speak, by the way. You, you know, we just do away with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, um, the idea is you come away 
challenged, I guess, having spent a few hours just thinking about one thing, which is so rare. Mm-hmm. You don't often get to, you know, in our jobs, most jobs now, you flip from thing to thing. I, you know, I, I certainly do. And, and I love the idea that we spend three hours just on one subject. Yeah. Events, events are always going to be um, important, I think, because human beings like to gather mm-hmm. um, and talk. Um, and sometimes they like to talk because they're looking for new jobs. Um, and they respect that, you know. Um, and um, it's nice for people to catch up um, and uh, maybe have a beer or, or whatever else. And in a, an environment or an industry which has got a lot of numbers in it, a lot of very boring stuff, um, do you know what? There's a lot of intensely nice people that work in this sector. And I love one of my greatest pleasures in, in doing these events is, is like at the end of it, um, kind of watching everybody circulating around and having a beer and, and chatting away. Mm-hmm. And I re- that's one of my favorite bits. Um, so long live, long live events, you know, as long as they're good ones. Yeah. Um, bad events are like really bad. They suck really hard. <laughs> um, but hopefully, hopefully we, we don't suck all that hard. You can't really suck when you have been beer in, in a crypt. Um, beer in a crypt, right? What's not to like? Yeah. What is not to like about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I guess there are people who don't like that stuff, but we don't want them to come anyway. <laughs> that sounds really, really cool. Um, and finally then, uh, to wrap things up, just want to ask you what we've been asking all our, all our guests on this podcast. Um, who would you say are your biggest inspirations Um maybe your work or your personal life, you know, people that you follow or read online or particular authors. Um, and just for you, Mark, can you finish us off with a musical recommendation for our listeners? Right. So um, people who I find kind of inspirational or who've been an influence on me, um, not that many in the industry, to be very honest. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple, uh, one of which is a guy called Dave Ferguson from um, an investment platform called Nucleus, mm-hmm. um, who in his own way um, set out to try and disrupt um, some of the big providers and, and has done a great job and listed his business successfully last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's always had that kind of countercultural thing, which, which I really enjoy. And he was, he was definitely um, very kind I've known Dave for a long time, but he was very kind when I was setting up and didn't really know what I wanted to do or what I was doing. He was mm-hmm. nice to me and that, that meant a lot. Um, he didn't pay me any money, um, <laughs> which is pretty tight, but um, he, he was certainly encouraging. That's important. Um, for us, the written word is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, probably my biggest kind of influence um, there is um, a, a guy who, well, some of your listeners may have uh, heard of Hunter S. Thompson. Awesome. Uh, and um, if you read a lot of my stuff um, and then you read a lot of Hunter stuff, you might see bits and bobs kind of reflected in it, little homages here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and why I loved that was he got people to engage in topics which were sometimes pretty, pretty heavy, you know, mm-hmm. campaign trails and all that kind of thing by inserting yeah. himself in it and just writing. Mm-hmm. And he was he was high a lot more than <laughs> you know what I mean I, I'm not high really at all these days um, or, or ever uh, like, to make that, like to make that clear um, but um, the, the idea basically that, that you can um, just write about things that people 
would expect dry journalistic prose and you just write completely differently about the same things. That's, mm -hmm. that's always been a big thing for me. Um, awesome. In terms of the music choice, oh wow, well, no. Um, <laughs> um, I am going to offer up, I think, a, a, a choice um, that is definitely kind of metal, it's definitely heavy, um, but that is the kind of metal that people might actually listen to and say, do you know what? I don't actually mind that that much. Yep. I'm intrigued um, to hear now. This, this, is, this is actually all right. So it's probably from my, my favorite band um, is a Finnish kind of, they call it melodic death metal um, called Insomnium. Mm -hmm. um, and um, their last record, they've got a new one coming out in the autumn, but their, their last record was called Winter's Gate. Mm -hmm. um, and it's seven songs it lasts about 40 minutes and uh, it's got a lot of aggression in it for sure but a lot of composition and a lot of melody um and you can listen to it and think oh i get this um but it's still got everything that those of us who are metalheads would um would learn and appreciate if you can't get next to that then um i think i would just try and encourage people to um open their minds to a little bit of heavy music maybe try some Devon Townsend or something like that. Nice. Um, and um, you'll find that many, many of your problems will melt away. You will be richer, smarter, taller, uh, and you will immediately lose three stone. <laughs> I mean, I, I always find the same problem of trying to, to preach the word and it never really gets anywhere. So, you know. You know <clears throat> we're, we're a trope, man. We, we are people have all kinds of jokes about metalheads but you know what they said the geek will inherit the earth and a lot of those are listening to slayer right now <laughs> absolutely i've literally just been uh talking about tool month so you we, we won't see where that goes yeah new song's not bad it's not bad really i've yeah, slow burner really really love it in the end um roll on august 30th <laughs> we'll see we'll see what they can do yep 13 years out let's see what they <laughs> say what they do Definitely. Uh, amazing. Great stuff, Mark. Thanks so much for talking to us. Some really That's great pleasure, guys. Absolutely great. Um, talk to you soon, hopefully. All the best. Cheers, Alec. Thank you.